Hi, I'm Alexandra Roxo, your host of the Holy Fuck Podcast. I've created this podcast because I want to explore how the mystical touches us in our everyday lives, how the sacred and the profane move together like two sides of the same coin. I found that personally, the most magical view I can choose of life is when I find the divinity, the healing, and the transformation in all of life. In this podcast, you can expect to hear inspiring conversations and storytelling that touch the heart and awaken the soul. This is a place for the modern seeker, passionate human, and curious explorer. A place where we can redefine what is sacred and what is profane, and just have the courage to open to it all. A place where we can step out of the mainstream programming and choose what stories and beliefs and rituals we hold sacred and true. On this podcast, you're going to hear from people on all sorts of walks of life, sharing what they're passionate about, what keeps them awake at night, what they consider to be sacred, what they consider to be profane, how they have explored life and freed their hearts and souls through love and spiritual practice, art, meditation, sex, drugs, birthing, prayer, just experiencing life in all of its wild tragedies and comedies. Plus, ideas, explorations, advice, and truths from me on sex, relationships, spirituality, and what it means to be a human on this planet at this time. If you found that you're also a rebel mystic who doesn't fit into the flattened ideas of good and bad and spirituality, but sees the nuance that life has to offer us, then I hope you find a home with me here in this podcast. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of the Holy Fuck Podcast. I'm going to answer some more of your questions today. I, uh, I'm excited about these. They pertain to the realm of love, first and foremost. So, mm, 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 mm. so I'm going to read this question because it's kind of long and intricate, and uh, I think it's kind of cute also. Okay. So I've been planting seeds of relationship with a beautiful being while also doing deep personal soul work with plant medicine. I think I just discovered he has a past life in this life as a celebrity through Google looking for his yoga project, LOL. I have friends that are famous and I know my own power, but it feels like it's bringing up questions of worthiness and themes of stepping into power on the social level that I know I'm ready for, but I need guidance and affirmation in from someone who knows like you. What is your perspective on the activation on this level of collective spotlight and the programming to be doe-eyed for in those roles? I have already been feeling the level of power personally coming through my projects and downloads separate from this person, and now even more so in the realization of what I'm attracting. Thanks, Alexandra. I guess the question is, how do you balance authenticity, groundedness, and embodiment in such a spotlight or a previously having been in one? something many are hesitant to step into. So much goodness here. Okay. All right. First and foremost, I just want to say that celebrities or famous people are people. That doesn't mean just because they're celebrity or famous, that they're a good person <laughs> or that they're an in integrity. Um, don't worry. I know that you've chosen this in integrity person. We don't know if it's male, female or whoever, but we're non-binary or, you know, I don't know. So, I want to just, you know, tell everyone and remind everyone, like, it can feel really sparkly 
And you can feel really sparkly when someone who is rich or famous has has doted upon you, has seen you, has chosen you, has like allowed you into their world. And at the end of the day, if we're looking at it through um, maybe a more soulful or spiritual lens, they're just a person and their karma is just different than you. And so oftentimes I, I feel like we have this like, capitalist lens in our spirituality that's like, oh, they're rich and famous. They must be a really good manifester. (laughs) That's not the case, you guys. That is also just like an old school capitalist approach to your spirituality. It's like, oh, because they're rich and famous, they must be more spiritually advanced. Hell no, that is definitely not the case. You can see that in celebrities all over the place. Mental health, drug addiction, mental illness rather. Um, just complexities. So just because someone has the karma of being famous does not mean that they're a good person and that there's some magical manifestor that they've manifested the karma of being rich and famous. So they must be more spiritually advanced than you. Eh, really not the case, right? So just, it's something important to take into consideration. But the thing is money, fame, recognition, sex, these are really sparkly uh, aspects of, of being a human that usually hook into some of our places, our unhealed places or our sticky places, right? It's like, oh, I didn't grow up with money and it's really feels good to be dating someone that has money or, wow, I have this opportunity now to make tons of money and that feels really good. And I'm, I'm doing it for the highest good. But in truth, it's really hooking into this very old wound in your family. Part of your perpetuating it and your obsession with it could have to do with that. Or it may be just totally pure. At the end of the day, only you can kind of know. So I'm saying all of that just as a background on this question of like, just because this person is famous and they're turning their light towards you, doesn't mean that, you know, they're on some higher, higher plane of existence. I have dated a few celebrity people, (laughs) which I'm I'm saying in a whisper. Um, And it is a trip. You know, I I once on a date with someone who I'm not going to say their name, obviously. Um, And we were in the grocery store at Whole Foods and people were snapping paparazzi shots. And, you know, at that time, I, I, I knew I was like, wow, this is a really particular life, you know. Did I look at him as being more spiritually advanced or, you know, like magical? No. But did it feel cool to be around at that time? Did I feel more special because of it? Yes. But that tied into my own wound of wanting to be seen and feel special. So there's an opportunity for you here to look at, okay, was this person, is this person, or were they famous or are they famous because they've done something that you really admire, that you really feel like is incredible and inspiring? Or was it because of their looks? Again, no shame or shade there, but like, you know, our looks are something that are mostly outside of our control, except, you know, we can pay a lot of money to amend them, but, or, uh, you know, is, was how they got famous, something that was from their soul crafted, inspired. In that case, maybe you can reframe this relationship as like, wow, I'm with someone who created something that really inspires me. And and that is a beautiful mirror. I love to be with someone who lives in integrity, who inspires millions of people, and I want to inspire or whatever it is.
Maybe you don't, and you don't have to. Look, everybody, not everyone needs to go out there and inspire tons of people, right? I love that Anne Lamott says, and she's a great writer for those of you don't who don't know her, she says, help is the sunny side of control. Also, Liz Gilbert says in her book, Big Magic, like something, and I'm paraphrasing, like something along the lines of like, stop writing to help people. Just write to help yourself. So <laughs> just permission for everyone not to help. And just to be you. And in the process of being you, maybe you help others. That's what I'm doing. And I love it. Instead of trying to create a service-oriented life where everything is oriented towards someone else. Usually that's someone's shadow of like needing to, you know, kind of um, sanctify or deify themselves or make them into... Oh, I have to have these grandiose gestures on how I'm helping humanity, you know. So I would say for for you, darling, who um, is dating this person who used to be famous, and now you are also opening to more of your um, gifts or magic or soul's steps, steps forward in this life, like see if you can take off the glasses that see that person as different from you, and this may be near impossible, but see if you can imagine that person as just being a person who cries, who poops, um, who maybe has good ideas sometimes and bad ideas sometimes. And and I'm not saying to take off the, the joy and the glitz and glamour of having, um, being with someone who's rich or famous or powerful, but if there feels like there's a gap between you, then it, it probably won't work. Because, you know, I think there can be steps between us where it's like, wow, I admire you and you're my partner. But if there's like a big gap, it can really be, oh, I'm not good enough for them or um, they're fancier than me. And I've been in that position where I've been dating someone. And I'm like, oh, wow, they're so much fancier than me. <laughs> and it didn't work out. You know, at the end of the day, I'm with someone who I admire and I sort of sometimes feel like oh, in awe of, but at the end of the day, I can feel really me and comfortable around. And I think that that is really important that can you feel comfortable around this person? Do you feel like you have to prove yourself? Do you feel like, you know, you're, you're sort of, um, not acting like the real you and, I think that that's, that's a beautiful practice to be in relation to. Not everybody has that opportunity to be that close to like fame and fortune and go, am I going to get kind of um, mesmerized in and forget myself? Or can I stand right here in front of fame and fortune dangling its sweet honey covered hook, which is a beautiful line from a poem by this great poet, Frank LaRue, honey covered hook. Am I going to just Am I going to bite on the honey-covered hook again and again and again? Or can I dance around it and see it and keep being me and keep doing me, right? That's that, and that's a gorgeous practice. I just want to make sure I answered this whole question. And, you know, how you stay grounded in the process is that you stay close to yourself. And if you notice you're biting too many honey-covered hooks, <sighs> then do something human, you know, like cook a stew, go volunteer somewhere. Um, make sure that you're breathing and crying and feeling and staying close to yourself. However you do that while also allowing for, for expansion and, and glitz and glam. Like I don't, I don't regret the phase of my life that I was 
kind of biting the honey-covered hooks of glitz and glam in LA. And oh my God, like I'm at this party and all these celebrities are here. And, um, but there was also a lot of my own pain there, you know, like more alcohol, more drugs, more sex that was not connected to my heart. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, there's so many groups of famous people that are super conscious and awake. And um, I was just at a particular scene in a particular moment. So I'm not judging all parties with, with celebrities as having uh, cocaine and lots of booze. You know, there's plenty of other ones as well. But staying close to yourself and also allowing yourself to play and make some mistakes, you know, and, and, and also making sure that you keep on your own path with you. Um, and if you go into the spotlight with that person, stay close to you. Don't abandon your dreams for that person. You know, like I, I remember I was dating a, another person who was a director and, um, and he was like, I can't wait for you to be on my arm on like the red carpet and this and that. And I was like, but I want to do my own stuff and, and I want to be known for me. And I want to, you know, and at that point I couldn't sem somehow hold both of those things of like, well, I could be his partner and also I could be known for my work, you know, um, as an artist and a writer. And um, we didn't end up being together because we had one of those twin flamey kind of you know, for lack of a better word, we'll just say toxic, not even twin flamey. <laughs> is, is twin flamey, um, you know, a euphemism for toxic? Um, no, I, I don't think it's so black and white, but, you know, we had this really deeply passionate karmic feeling relationship where we had a lot to teach each other, but it ended in flames. Um, so I didn't get the opportunity. And, um, you know, he just directed a movie that I tried to watch and I, I found to be very offensive. <laughs> so, Maybe that was just not the right path for me regardless. Um, but even as you walk into your own spotlight, next to their spotlight, you know, keeping your spotlight alive, that's what I would say. Oh, really, really good question. I'm going to move on to the next question. I think this episode will have time for two questions. Um, okay, how to only do what you love, enjoy without force of pressure. Okay, I have been, and this is the question, I've been in the biz babe hamster wheel, which I almost broke free completely from. But with that, a lot of confusion and anxiety came up, especially after there was a kind of codependency between me and my business and the need to quote unquote make it after investing so much money with almost no ROI in terms of money, the addiction to doing, ah, Oof, 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 oof. This is a very good question. Um, well, a few things popped out for me for that question. The codependency with your business, constantly needing to fix it, constantly wanting to amend it, to change it, to make it better, to sort of tweak it, to offer it suggestions, right? Like the codependency. I'm going to read the definition of codependency be from, I think it will be from Melody Beattie from her book, Codependency. Um, codependency. Um, because codependency. Definition. Okay. Because I think that a lot of people um, 
think of codependency as like two people that are dependent on each other. But what, from what I've learned, codependency, I'm reading from psychology today. Codependency is a term used to describe a relationships in which by being caring, highly functional and helpful, one person is said to support, perpetuate or enable a loved one's irresponsible or destructive behavior. Okay. So applying codependency to your business, it's like your business is being destructive with your money. It's overspending, (laughs) right? It's, um, it's being irresponsible, but you're enabling its behavior, right? And you're being highly caring, highly functional to your business that is feeling a little out of control. Maybe your business is, is compromising your image or your finances or your sexuality, but you're, you're enabling it to been trying to quote unquote, help it, um, For example, helping, back to the article, for example, helping an inebriated spouse navigate an embarrassing situation or providing living quarters for a substance abusing young child is said to be counterproductive, a way of forestalling recovery and actually perpetuating the problem. So this is, this is interesting because, um, you know, I really do think people look at codependency as like we're dependent on each other. And there is an aspect of that, but codependency, and I'm not a professional on this. I'm a student. Okay. Codependency from what I just read and what I'm hearing in regards to your business is your business is being irresponsible and your business is being destructive and you're enabling your business by either putting more money into it, more attention into it, um, by compromising yourself around it, by giving. And this is a beautiful question because we could look at this type of behavior in many areas of our life, right? And when is enough enough? Whether it's a friendship, whether it's a pet, bless their hearts, um, whether it's a business, whether it's even your home, right? Like, Sometimes the, the the home environment or the relationship to your landlord or any of it. So I love the question around your business, though. How can you not be in this codependent relationship with your business where your business is kind of giving you a run for your money, for your time? Um, and the addiction to just doing, right? Well, first, I just want to high, high five this, this gorgeous being for your um self-awareness. Because I think a lot of people think, well, this is because business is something, it's not like you're putting money into drugs. So business is something that, um, and not to say that some drugs aren't worth putting money into. Okay. But, um, let's say a, a negative drug habit, you're not putting that money into that. So it's completely culturally acceptable, completely culturally acceptable to go, I need to pay for that $20,000 business coach, or I need to pay for that $15,000 marketing person. These things become like sort of normalized, even though they may apply to an addiction, your addiction to making your business perfect or trying to change it and get it to, to give what you want from it, the return invest, investment. And I wish I knew what your business was because it'd be very different if it was like, um, a jewelry, jewelry making business or um, a dog walking business or, um, you know, a coaching business. So these would all be very different, but at the end of the day, it is socially acceptable to be in an addictive pattern with your business, right? It's socially acceptable to go, well, I have to post on Instagram five times a week because it's my business. Oh, okay. It's your business. Totally fine. Though it could be masking like a real addiction, or a real compulsion, a real obsession. 
So I just want to say congrats for the awareness that, wow, my business. And, and you know, I heard um, I heard Liz Gilbert on a podcast say, was social me- was I using social media or was social me- media using me? And I think it's the same um, with uh, your business. Is, are you are you using your business to put your gifts into the world or is your business using you? Right. You become a slave to it in a way. And it's important to see that because, again, it's socially acceptable to be on one's phone for business. And I remember I had a huge discussion with two of my best friends. This could probably was back in 2016. Um, I was putting out the second season of my web show, Be Here Now-ish. And it was we decided to come out like the day on Thanksgiving or something. And so it was on my phone, glued to my phone that day while I was up in Berkeley with one of my best friends of 20 years for Thanksgiving. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing on your phone? Like, well, you're here with us. And I'm like, well, I have to. It's my business. I have to go on social media. I have to promote. I have to engage. And, and it was like at that moment in time, I was in a toxic relationship with my business. And it, and it was true because actually that business, which was my um, production company with my former collaborator, was called Purple Milk. We dismantled very soon after that. And so it was the end, the beginning of the end. It was like, oh, this is toxic. It's ending. Um, and I felt how it impacted those around me to experience my business working me, to experience my own compulsion and obsession and addiction to my business. And I thought I could get a pass because, oh, well, I have to do this in order to make money. And my friends were like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You can have better boundaries. And I convinced myself at the time, no, I can't. I have to go on. I have to post. I have to do this. Even on a two-day weekend where I could have absolutely taken a break. But that was compulsion and addiction. So now those friends, they're like, what? You've had your phone away all weekend. What's wrong? I'm like, well, I've faced my own compulsive addictive tendency. Um, And it feels so good to not be in the company of those I love and be thinking about what's happening on my phone or in my business and strategizing or considering and instead to be with the people I love. What liberation. So I think that addiction to doing that you talked about in in your question is essentially everything I just said. It takes a lot of courage to come out of the addiction to doing. And we can use the excuse, but I have to eat, but I have to make money. But if you really ask yourself, do I have enough to eat? Do I have enough to take care of myself? If the answer is no, then you may have to go into a period of hard work, right? That's fine. I had to go into a period of lift myself up by my bootstraps, nannying, personal chefing for someone, getting really creative about how I wanted to, how I had to make money because I didn't want to work in a restaurant again. And I had to pull myself up on my bootstraps while creating my coaching business because my television show didn't go to series and I didn't get the Hollywood ending I wanted at that time. But I got a whole new beginning. And that during that time, I was working really hard and I was working hard. And that was, you know, it wasn't compulsive at that time. It was necessary. Um, So you get to discern the moment where, oh, now this is a compulsion or an addiction. But before it was me building a business. And you get to discern, oh, wait, my business is doing well. I have enough money to eat. I have more than plenty. I'm going to have my phone away this weekend. I'm not going to go hire that other coach. I'm going to let it 
be, right? It's that like Cheryl Strayed quote, um, how wild it was to let it be. That gives me like goosebumps every time I have goosebumps, how wild it was to let it be, to let it be enough what you're making, to not be constantly wanting more. Like at once, yeah, I was like wanting more love. I was like, oh, I want love, love, love. Again, it's just another compulsion. And my friend was like, you're like that Pac-Man. You're like the Pac-Man, but with the, with the heart eyes emoji. You just want to eat the love. It's like how wild it was just to let it be. Not to ask for more, more love, more money, more, 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 but just to let it be. So in order to do that, like, you've got to have strong community. Um, maybe you're in a women's group. Maybe you're in a 12-step group. Maybe you're um, recommitting to a good sleep schedule, good exercise schedule. Um, maybe you put a certain amount of time a day, you work on your business, and then you work on something else, right? Maybe you have a certain time of day, you put your phone away. Maybe you, you know, my friend Ruby Warrington deletes Instagram from her phone at the end of every day. And she, I think, has it off her phone from, I don't know what time, maybe 5 p.m. to like 12 the next day. It's kind of like intermittent fasting. So you create the discipline, you know, you create the structures that work best for you at this time in your life. So great questions. OMG, you guys both great, great, great questions and um, keep them coming. And I'll do a few every month. Um, such brave, beautiful souls you are on the journey, both of you. And um, whoever's questions I answer, please DM me, let me know who you are. I think I'm going to start saying people, uh, you know, I love how in Glennon Doyle's podcast, she has, um, she has people read the questions. They send in a little audio voice note. I think that's so cute. So maybe I'm going to start doing that. And then also wanting to have your name attached to it. But your voice would be awesome. So I'll see how we should do that. I think a little a little um, audio voice note would be pretty simple. Just to email me. Okay. Big love, everybody. You're doing great. Um, continuing to mine your life for what is sacred, what is real, what is profane. What's got to go? What's got to stay? What's wildly delicious and raw and animal and also sacred and true? Ah, and what is masking itself as sacred but is actually just another compulsion? <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. For more, 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 follow me on IG at Alexandra Roxo, and you can get on my mailing list where I send poems, practices, rituals, links to upcoming retreats and events, and all kinds of goodies. And if this podcast has touched your heart, please let us know. Please write us a review, give us a five-star rating, all that. It means a lot to myself and everyone involved. Big, big love, my darling. Have a fabulous day and see you again very soon.